Last week, I had a meeting uh, to talk to a friend, and uh, afterwards, I was getting in my car. I was walking down the street, and I had my collar on. And I was getting in my car, and there was a restaurant near where I parked, and they had one of those kind of outdoor patios. And as I was getting into my car, someone just kind of loudly yelled out, God's not real. Okay, interesting thought. And I had a moment of, okay, how do I respond to this? And you know that moment you want to have like the perfect words to just put someone in their place? And of course I didn't. Uh, Thinking back later, I wanted to say, well, you can tell him that. But it was just this interesting moment. I walked away and I, I spent some time thinking about that this week. And it made me think, uh, as I was preparing for today for Good Friday, about a story that Martin Buber, who's a, a Jewish theologian, tells. He tells a story about a modern atheist and who is utterly convinced of all of his theories and all the reasons that there can't be a God. And this atheist in this story, he walks in and he's, he's up and down the map. He's gone to rabbi and priest and theologian and he's put them all to shame. And finally he comes to his last kind of opponent and it's this rabbi And he walks in and he talks to the rabbi. And he says this. The rabbi paid no attention to the new arrival. Suddenly he stopped, looked at him fleetingly and said, but perhaps... It is true after all. The scholar tried in vain to collect himself. His knees trembled. So terrible was the rabbi to behold, and so terrible his simple utterance to hear. But the rabbi turned his face to him and spoke quite calmly, My son, the great scholars of the Torah, with whom you have argued, wasted their words on you, as you departed and laughed at them. They were unable to lay God and his kingdom on the table before you, and neither can I. But think, my son, perhaps it is true. There's so many reasons to doubt God, isn't there? And if you're an honest Christian, you have doubted if God is real. And you've doubted if his goodness is real. I've done that many times. Anyone who keeps their head kind of out of the sand, we can't help but go through life and our sufferings, the sufferings of others and the evils that we see. We can't help but cry out in our hearts and say, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? And I think it's important for us as Christian men and women that we're honest about that. And Pope Benedict says this, He said, just as the believer is choked by the salt water of doubt, constantly washed into his mouth by the ocean of uncertainty, so too the non-believer is troubled by doubts about his unbelief, about the real totality of the world he has made up in his mind to explain as a self-contained whole. He can never be absolutely certain of the autonomy of what he has seen and interpreted. In short, there is no escape from the dilemma of being a human being. Anyone who makes up their mind to evade the uncertainty of belief will have have to experience the uncertainty of unbelief. The main cause of atheism in the world is evil and suffering. And today doesn't prove to us that Jesus is God. The cross doesn't prove that to us. What gives us faith, or there's a thousand things that gives us faith, what really gives us faith is the resurrection. It changed the world forever. What today does, brothers and sisters, is it tells us who our God is. It doesn't tell us that he is God. It tells us what sort of God he is. I want to read to you one more quote from Pope Benedict. And this is the question of our world. Brothers and sisters, today, the world you and I live in is a world that has given up on God, on ultimate truth, and on the meaning of what it means to be a human. They talk about progress all the time. We're making progress. We're going forward. What sort of progress? You know, nice things. I can play music from my phone. I don't have to touch a button to turn on the stereo. We can prolong life for a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more years. Technology does give us progress. We maybe have better ideas about how to grow food better, about how to eliminate disease. What about the progress of what it means to be a human being? Pope Benedict says this, he says, The representatives of the powerful Roman state appealed to early Christians by saying, Return to our religion. Our religion is joyous. We have feasts, drunken revels, and entertainments. While you believe in one who is crucified. The Christians were able to demonstrate persuasively how empty and base were the entertainments of paganism. And how sublime the gift of faith and the God who suffers with us and leads us to the road of true greatness. Today it is a matter of the greatest urgency 
to show a Christian model of life that offers an alternative to the vacuous entertainment of leisure time society. A society that is forced to make increasing recourse to drugs because it is sated by the usual shabby pleasures. There's no avoiding what it means to be a human being. To be a human being is to be one who wrestles with faith and doubt, with hope and despair, with love and pride. You will have that as a Christian. You will have that as an atheist. All of us have those things. But our society today pretends not to. There's a choice there. There's a choice of the heart. Today, Jesus, Sunday, God revealed who Jesus really was. This coming Sunday. Today, that he was God on on Easter Sunday. Today on Good Friday, Jesus shows us what it means to be a human being and what kind of God we worship. Not a God who seeks the highest place, but a God who seeks the lowest. Who goes to the dregs, who goes to the bottom. That's who our God is. I want to leave you with this. Wherever you're at in your life, Brothers and sisters, the cross, and maybe particularly in our darkest moments. Juan Balthazar was talking about this in something I was reading, that usually atheists are not the ones who suffer. They're the ones who see others suffer. People who suffer tend to actually find faith. Fyodor Dostoevsky found it when he was imprisoned by the communists. He was an atheist and he became a Christian. Oftentimes, suffering is the place we find God. In my favorite Balthazar book, I don't recommend it because it's insanely dense, but Balthazar has a book called Love Alone is Credible. And in that book, he talks about all the proofs, all the things that speak to our minds, all the systems. They're all true. But that's not what makes me a Christian What ultimately makes me a Christian is love. It's the love of Jesus Christ. And the cover of that book, there's this odd cover. There's a cement wall, and carved into the wall is an image of Christ. It's not very well done. But it has a sacred heart in the middle of Jesus. And I never knew what that was. I always thought, oh, it's kind of an odd cover. I guess there's a heart, and love alone is credible. And then one day, a couple years ago, you know, you look at, you open up the cover and you look at what, where the picture's from. And that carving into that cement wall was carved by a prisoner at Auschwitz. Someone who found God in suffering. Today doesn't tell us that Jesus is God. But today tells us who he is. 
tells us about the kind of heart he has. It tells us about the kind of life that you and I are to live. And it tells us, brothers and sisters, that God never abandons us and that his love surrounds us at every moment of our lives.